welcome back to In Life and Death. We're your hosts. I'm Haley. And I'm Christina. And today we're in Connecticut. Yes, and I'm doing true crime. And I'm going to do paranormal. How do we sound, though? We got new audio equipment. We're so excited. From our number one fan. From our number one fan. <laughs> Thanks so much, John. He's kind of my favorite. We need to get a actual... I hope this she shed good. for this though. Yeah, we need to get a we need to get a room. A room. Yeah, I feel like we're intruding on everybody. Everybody. <laughs> so I guess I will start off then this week with have you ever you you said that you've never seen the movie The Haunting in Connecticut, right? No, I never have, but I watched the trailer. I did. I sent you the trailer. Yeah, it was so pretty I, intense. I actually like rewatched it. To compare how true to facts the movie was. You portrayed. actually watched the movie? Yeah. Why didn't you call me? Because I, uh, I watched it at work. Oh, we don't want to tell anyone that. Well, <laughs> so I watched it at work and at the gym. And I almost, how do you get away with that I almost shit? <laughs> fell off the treadmill because I jumped at one point. Really? Was yeah. it good? It was good. It's a good horror movie. Oh, I'm excited to hear your story also when i went to the gym i didn't realize that i had a squeaky treadmill <laughs> and i felt really bad. like every time i took a step it was like it was pretty bad why but didn't you get on a different one i didn't realize it because i was watching the hunting in connecticut <laughs> oh, i get it <laughs> you turn and your my volume audio, down yeah. and you're like oh, i was like shit. shit okay that's long enough thank you everybody it's Good like night. that one person that goes through the <laughs> the store with the with their cart. Yeah. Squeak, squeak, squeak. That's interesting. So <laughs> I wanted to compare what was portrayed in the movie that with like the true events and then what was just like Hollywood fluff to make it more entertaining, you know? Okay. So I'll point out some of the things that they did have in the movie without giving any spoilers. But so point being the movie is based off of true events so if you've seen the movie and you didn't realize that it is based off of true events so let me introduce to you to the snedeker family snedeker snedeker so dad is alan mom is carmen and then they have three boys which is my worst nightmare philip bradley and alan jr and during the time of the hauntings, two of Carmen's nieces actually were staying with them as well. And their names were Tammy and Jennifer. Their parents were actually going through a divorce, so they were invited to stay with them because I guess it was getting pretty nasty. So around the age of 13 or 14, Philip, who is the oldest son, did a pea-sized lump on his neck. And so Carmen takes him to the doctor and the doctor ordered a biopsy for the following Monday. And by Monday, it was already the size of a golf ball. Whoa, that was quick. Yeah. The doctors actually originally misdiagnosed him with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is basically a death sentence. They gave him six months to live. But later, it was determined he had regular Hodgkin's lymphoma, which I guess is less... You're like, eh, I guess you know, it's less it's threatening. That's so bad. at this time they were living in upstate New York and the closest hospital that treated childhood cancers was in Connecticut and they were driving 300 miles round trip five days a week so that Philip could get his treatment. It was extremely hard on him because the chemo caused so much nausea 
nausea. I said that really weird. Nausea. Nausea. And having to be in the car that long was making him miserable. Carmen was literally convinced the constant road trips were going to kill him before the cancer did. Uh So they tried to find a rental home to move into that was closer to the hospital, but they kept running into problems. A lot of places at the time actually wouldn't rent to families larger than four. Mm. Uh More than two kids. On top of that, they were going to be paying. Since when do people stop you from renting for how many? And breeding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That's weird, huh? They yeah, yeah they came into it, that problem a lot where they couldn't if you had more than two kids you were like nope next interesting and on top of that they were paying their mortgage still back in New York so their rent needed to be a reasonable price and they were such a large family they needed lar- a fairly large house too it felt impossible until one day Carmen was driving and she saw a for rent sign outside of listen to this two oh eight it's spelt. Meriden, but I've heard it both Meridian and Meriden Ooh. Avenue in Southington, Connecticut. Meridian. We're right. F- yeah. We're from that area, which is the area code 208. Yeah, that's And we've lived in Meridian, so that was crazy. Hopefully it's Meriden. I think it's Meriden. It's spelled like Meriden, but I've heard I heard a podcast where a guy pronounced it Meridian. Yeah. But I don't know. It's probably Meriden. And it was like a large, beautiful, colonial-type home. And so she calls to see the home, figuring it was probably a long shot. But to her surprise, the rent was in their budget. Stop yawning. Can you hear me yawn? Yes. Really? She's so I don't, rude. I don't know what's happening. I'm sorry. It's narcolepsy. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know what? If I If I figure it out and it's something bad you're gonna be like oh shit because i feel like maybe i'm not gonna talk he's yawning is he <laughs> y'all are just old just kidding i'm old too it's old. only seven i know my I've seen him like two-year-old clock, goes like to twice. bed at seven we go to bed at nine i would love to go to bed at nine you should try it i can't hunter stays up way too late <sighs> La- Last night, I went to his bedroom because Lincoln was coughing so much last night. He had to come in bed with me. I went to Hunter's room and he was awake. It was 11 o'clock at night. I was like, are you kidding me? His TV was on and he was playing Nintendo, huh? No, he was just watching TV. Like he pulled the covers up over his head so fast. And I was like, you you lost your TV privileges. Like you cannot do this. You have school tomorrow. Like I don't care that you can sleep in. All right. Because you go to school in the afternoon. Like, what did no. he say? He just like pretended to be asleep. And so when he woke up this morning. Did you turn his TV off? Yeah. And then when he woke up this morning, he didn't even come out and say hi or anything. Didn't go to the bathroom. The first thing he did was turn on that stupid Nintendo Switch. And I go into his room not even knowing he's awake. And I was like, uh-uh. This ain't going to fly with me. When you wake up, you need to get up and tell that your family you're awake or you're losing this <laughs> this stupid game i was so mad i'm like you and you stayed up all night watching tv what did he say then he was like okay i'm sorry and i was like yeah that's what i thought so come be social yeah don't get your kids a nintendo TV? switch you will regret it yeah he left on his birthday when i know there, i was and i was like where is he yeah i was like you need to come like people are here Plain to celebrate you but wow. it's because okay. you guys got him a new game yeah i was Leslie like i got him two new games so Oh, 
All right. Sorry. Anyway. No, you're good. I like the chat. Me too. We're going to chat some more because I can hear myself. I know. It's so so nice. So (laughs) she calls to see the home, figuring it was a long shot, but to her to surprise, yada, yada, yada. I already went over that. Mm -hmm. This is where some of the first back and forth between fact and fiction actually comes in. The landlord at the time claims they told Carmen that the home used to be a funeral home. But to this day, Carmen claims that they didn't find out until after signing the lease and finding equipment in the basement while moving it. So who knows what the truth is. But regardless, it used to be a funeral home. So the basement was set up in a way where it had a separate entrance to a casket showing room and then the actual morgue with a freezer like it was like block i think it was like blocked off with a wall and like doors and stuff but still upon moving in on june 30th 1986 they found embalming tables a box of coffin handles a casket lift and a blood drainage pit Ew. they came across toe tags and a head tag which how do you that's got how do you put a tag on a head uh, it's a giant rubber band. Blink. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's interesting. Right? Uh, and drawers full of eerie photographs of corpses. Oh, my God. Like, I didn't know this was a thing, but they used to, like, pose dead bodies and take pictures of them. Yes. That's so weird. They did. There's a few movies that they do that in. Oh, uh, what was that one with uh, Nicole Kidman in it? And she walks around and they... She has, like, the key to every room. Do you know that movie? That's not Nicole Kidman, is it? Yes, it is Nicole Kidman. She has a key to every room, and she's got kids. It's, and it's the skeleton key. No. No. Oh, I was going to say, that's a completely... They die. Oh, and it's got the lady in the room, and they're doing a seance. Oh, I know what you're talking about. She thinks she's alive, but she's not. She's dead. That's why she sees her husband like come back from war and stuff. Yeah, and it's got yeah, and it's got that creepy lady under the veil. Yes. So the others. The others. Okay. They I know what have you're talking about. Pictures. There that's when I first looked into like they take pictures of dead people. Yeah. Even when they're dead. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when they're dead. That's they so weird. Line them up and put makeup on them and then take pictures of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's a good movie if you haven't seen that one. I like that. So is The Skeleton Key. I love that movie. I don't remember that one. You know? You no. have to watch that one. That one's good. Who's in that one? I don't remember. Not really oh. any big people. Oh, okay. But... I'll have to watch it. So they also discover a small graveyard in the backyard. They ended up putting Bradley and Phillip's room in the basement. Oh. So. Yeah. They had blocked off the portion of the morgue and were using the showing area for their room. Okay, this is the trailer part that I saw. They were down there. Oh <laughs> you said God. trailer park. I was like, what? <laughs> the trailer, the part yeah. of the trailer, the movie. Okay. Oh my gosh, they were in a bait. Oh, oh yeah. They were in, okay. So Carmen didn't want the family to be surrounded by constant reminder of death, especially when Philip was struggling with his own probable mortality. So at first she didn't really want to like move in. And that's where it comes back to she's claiming that they were never told Hmm. that it was a funeral home, but they really had no other choice but to stay because they couldn't afford anywhere else. Mm -hmm. So Alan was still working in New York at the time. 
so that he could work on the weekdays and stay in their house in New York and then visit them on the weekends. And Philip almost immediately starts hearing voices and seeing apparitions. And he would see three black figures with trench coats, a shadowy figure in the basement. He described one entity as having long black hair, black pools for eyes, like they had no depth to them. Ew. And really distinguished like cheekbones and stuff. Yeah. And his face looked hollowed. And then there was one with long white hair who wore a pinstriped tuxedo. Okay. And then he stopped sleeping down there. No. Nope. Okay. The kids were so terrified to sleep at night, especially the boys in the basement, that they would sleep with the lights on. And when Alan got the electrical bill, he was furious. He went as far as removing the light bulbs in the basement. They had no light down there. Like, you will not catch me in a dark basement with no access to light. After seeing trench coat figures. Yeah, there were times the lights would flicker without bulbs in them. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. And I read, too, there was a, like, a robot toy that they had Mm -hmm. that, like, the three men in trench coats actually, like, destroyed in front of them. And when they went to go tell their mom, she was just like, nope, Turn I don't believe you. Yeah. So Carmen was starting to worry that her son was beginning to hallucinate due to his treatment. But when she called his doctor, they reassured her that it couldn't be one of the side effects from the medication. The other children would see things as well. And they started to become fearful of Philip because his beca- behavior was becoming increasingly dark and withdrawn. So one day, Bradley went down to the basement to see Philip moving his bed into the, like, embalming room. Ew. Yeah. And Bradley was like, what are you doing, man? And Philip told his brother that he had made a deal. With who? Exactly. So Carmen, upon hearing this, freaks out. Right. She is Catholic. So the thought of her son making a deal with somebody did not sit right with her. And Philip had actually started keeping a journal. And Carmen and Tammy can't came across it one day. Remember, Tammy's the niece. Yeah. We don't really hear about much stuff happening to Jennifer, but Tammy does have some things happen to her. Carmen wouldn't normally, like, snoop and invade her children's privacy, but she was so worried about his behavior, she she started reading the journal and was horrified with what she found. Inside the journal were pages of dark notes about death and murder. What was even more disturbing was that it didn't seem like Philip's writing, like it was in his handwriting, but it didn't sound or look like something he would write. Mm-hmm. And Philip had struggled with dyslexia his whole life, and it didn't seem possible that he could write this. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> How funny do I look right now? I just took my it's hair down. It's scary. Oh, shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> His journal was written perfectly with no mistakes. <laughs> and when Carmen confronted Philip about his journal, he was unfazed with the invasion of privacy. Not a normal teenager reaction. Mm-hmm. She asked her son how he wrote it, and he told her that the man helped him write it. Ew. So Philip became increasingly aggressive, and unlike his normal self, his mother even claimed that Philip tried to sexually assault his cousin Tammy at one point. Wait, what? He... Tried to sexually assault his cousin. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. When his mom confided in his oncologist about the things that were happening, he told her that there was no way this behavior was from his treatments 
and that she was describing someone with schizophrenia. So they actually admitted Philip to a psych ward, going as far as putting him into a straitjacket for a period of time. He was there for 45 days before he was taken away. That's a long time. Yeah. Especially for someone going through cancer. Mm -hmm. Before he was taken away, he told his mother that they would come for her next. <laughs> like the ghosts, not the, not the psych yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> Let me clarify. At this point, Carmen starts experiencing some of the things that Philip and her other children were seeing. Dishes would put themselves away. Like, honestly, if a ghost wants to put my dishes away, though. <laughs> you go for it. Go for it. Some things were moving. Cupboards were opening on their own. And she would start seeing shadows. And then at one point, she's mopping the floor. And before her eyes, the mop, mop water turns to blood. Really? She blinks a couple times before it goes back to just mop water. In the movie, Philip's character is the one that actually sees this. But in real life, Carmen complains that it happened. Carmen explains that it happens to her, not complains. So they were in the house for about two years before they decided to call Ed and Lorraine Warren. If you haven't heard of them, they are extremely well-known and prolific paranormal investigators, which you know that, but yeah, if our listeners don't. They've done the Haunted Annabelle doll case, the Parent Family, which the Conjuring movie was based on. Have you seen that one? Which is a really good movie. That actually. one's terrifying. That's one of that my favorites. That one's scarier to me than The Haunting in Connecticut. They did really good on that. And the Amityville Horror House, to name a few. That's oh, a good one, too. Yeah, I didn't is, know that. I didn't know that either. I didn't know they did the Amityville. Okay. So, Dead, Dead was a demonologist. <laughs> Ed was a demonologist. And Lorraine was a medium. Unfortunately, they're no longer with us. So, now we're in 1988. And the Warrens get called to the Snedeker home. They arrive. They move into the home for, th for nine weeks. They're living there. Stop flirting with your eyes. I was looking at my boyfriend. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> they have brought their nephew and their grandson in to actually join in and in. <laughs> He's not even looking at me, so it's fine. In the investigation. <laughs> Unrequited love. It's the best. No, when you're all alone. <laughs> oh. So they started piecing together what may have caused such a violent haunting in the home. I can't stop looking at you to make sure you're paying attention. I'm totally paying attention. There were rumors that a former employee or employees may have engaged in acts of necrophilia. There's no concrete evidence of this crime happening, but there's also no evidence that it didn't happen. So <laughs> who's to say? The Warrens. <laughs> Haley. I'm just say. out here accusing people of necrophilia. <laughs> Don't mind me. Anyways, moving on. That's so well, funny. And the reason why is uh, because they, so I can't remember. I was listening to a podcast. I didn't really write it down, but they're one of the, either the nephew or the grandson of uh -huh. the Warrens. When they were in the home, they actually saw somebody uh, like a ghost yeah. walk down the stairs and they said to him, do you know what they did to us? And then disappeared. Ooh. So they were thinking with all of the evidence that they got and like that happening, they figured, and there was like rumors and stuff sometime. I don't know. Yeah. But necrophilia. Uh, uh, lovely. It happened. Okay. The Warrens believed that they were being haunted by multiple demonic forces and turned to the Catholic church to give the, for them to give them the okay to perform an exorcism. 
And during the exorcism, the house got cold and dark. There was rumbling. Ed got chest pains. But the second they said amen, it was like the heaviness lifted. Hmm. And actually, when like Lorraine watched the movie back, The Haunting in Connecticut, Mm -hmm. she said that the things that were happening in the house were scarier in real life than what was portrayed in the movie. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can imagine that because it would be real, you know? It's Yeah. So the exorcism was successful and the current owners of the home say they're making it up. There is no such activity that happens here, which obviously if the exorcism was successful, there wouldn't be any further activity. Who said it so wasn't successful? The owners, the pre- like the current owners. Oh, okay. They've lived there since like 1998. Oh, okay. Um, so I mean, like if the exorcism was successful, there wouldn't be any further activity. So that doesn't discount the right. Snedekers having experiences there, if they were true, I don't know. So the only things I could find on an update for the family is that Carmen is now a spiritual advisor. And unfortunately, Philip ended up dying from cancer in 2012. Oh. He was married oh. and had like four kids, I think. And he was 39. But they didn't expect him to live that long. So that's good at least. But yeah, he still passed away. That's too bad. And that's my case. That's pretty good. It's pretty creepy. Right. So Ed and Lorraine have passed. They have passed. Um, Ed died pretty early into the 2000s, I think. Uh-huh. And Lorraine's was more recent. She Was it? She lived a long life. Let's see. The way they portray them in the movie, um, The Conjuring. Yeah. Was they were really close. They they were really close. I actually watched um because I was like I told you I was deciding on whether or not to do this case uh-huh. or to cover Adam Lorraine's haunted museum yeah. because their house and their museum is in Connecticut. And I was watching an interview with Lorraine when they were walking through the house, and the interviewer asked them, "Seems like you and Ed are like." went everywhere together and she said we did absolutely everything together there wasn't a thing that we didn't do i thought so so ed died in 2006 at 79 years old and lorraine was 92 she died in 2019 oh my gosh yeah wow so and a lot of people think that they faked their work and everything but i don't know probably just depends on if you're a skeptic or not well, that, and I guess if you're that good at faking your stuff. Yeah. And I guess you should be well known. Exactly. Yeah. You should get paid for being a great actor because, right. you know, actors get paid. Yeah, Don did good. <laughs> so. So I'm going to be covering William Devin Howell. Okay. I've never heard of him. Uh, he's Connecticut's most prolific serial killer, apparently. He was born in Hampton, Virginia on February 11th, 1970. William had a seemingly normal childhood, and he was raised by a good family, but he would eventually turn into what he calls himself the Sick Ripper. The Sick Ripper? Mm-hmm. He of, called himself that? Yeah, that's what he calls himself. So is that what he went by afterwards, too? Yeah. Why did they give him the satisfaction of going by the own, his own serial killer name that he picked? That's Just stupid. wait. He even names his van and all sorts of shit. <laughs> but... William, like other serial killers, hid this side from his friends and his family. 
and portrayed himself to be a normal man living a normal lifestyle. Right. Which they all usually do. Mm -hmm. He did move from Virginia and settled in Connecticut. I'm not sure when exactly, but he ended up in Connecticut. His serial killer spree began in 2003. Really? Yeah. He would go on to murder seven women within a six-month period. Jeez. So I feel like this guy would still be going crazy if he hadn't got apprehended. Have you, what is that statistic that, like, there's an active, like, what, eight eight serial killers or whatever? Is that just in the U.S. or is that the whole world? I'm not sure. That's pretty freaky to me. Yeah, but in, within six months. And you remember our last podcast, you were like, well, how, how long does it take for a body to decompose? It's yeah. quick. Is it? It's quick. It's so much quicker than I thought. Yeah. Because these women were found as bones. Huh. Within... So yeah, like I, I mean, like I guess with um, Robert Hansen, they mm -hmm. were in Alaska, which is just a, a fridge, basically. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't decompose as fast. Yeah, I guess if you're outside, I mean, it's within days you start decomposing, and it's pretty intense. <laughs> That's gross. Okay. A girl named Nilsa Arismendi. 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 We found that out. It's Arismendi. She was 33 years old and she was believed to be involved in prostitution, but she did, she disappeared. Um, we have a lot of prostitute murderers. Yeah. You know, I agree. It needs to stop. <laughs> yeah. Because people just think of them as no one's going to know. I don't know. Right. They're not people that you look for if they go missing. Well, the authorities found out that Howell requested her services on July 5th, 2003. And that's when the investigation on him began. They didn't have her body, but she was reported to be seen last getting into a big blue van that was owned by Howell. What if you name his van? Mm -hmm. Just wait, I'll tell you. Okay. With Hal becoming the, the suspect in her disappearance, the police seized his blue van. And when they found it, they had discovered that there was the, the seat cushions had been removed, but they did find blood under the carpet in the van. And they took DNA from Nielsa's family and determined one of the samples was 99% certain to have been from her. Yeah. In the van, they also found six videotapes of Hal having bizarre sex with different women. <laughs> Yeah. Why do you keep picking these cases? <laughs> I don't know. Your don't last know. one was just the same. They're really hard for Except me to they're do. they're older. I, I'm ready to do paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> um, with these findings, they were able to get uh, first-degree manslaughter charges against Howell. And after his trial, he was still not admitting to his crime. And he continued to insist that he did not kill Nilsa. However... Hal would be sentenced to 15 years in prison for her murder. That's it. 15 years. Well, they didn't have a body, so that's pretty good. I'm surprised they even got what they did then. Yeah. Because normally you have to have a body for a crime. No, didn't have a body. So Wait, it, so how did they get the... Oh, DNA from the blood. DNA gotcha. from the blood. Okay. And they were able to convict him. So at the same time, just weeks later, after finally being sentenced for Nielsa's disappearance, a hunter 
it was looking for a good hunting ground and he found human bones and it was behind a shopping plaza called the West Farm Shopping Mall located on Hartford Road in New Britain, Connecticut. And it was inaccessible by cars and it's highly wooded, so hard to find. Yeah. But these bones were later identified to be three different women. Jeez. Um, it was Javelin Martinez. She was 23 and went missing in October 2003. Um, Diane Kuzak, who was 55 years old, disappeared in mid-2003 sometime. So did he not have like a type? No. Ooh. No. Um, Opportunist. And I'll talk, yeah, I'll talk about him a little bit. Um, and Mary Jane Menard, she was 40 years old. She went missing in October in 2003 as well. So while Howell was serving time, he confided in his cellmate, Jonathan Mills, the actions of his crime. So he told him everything, um, everything. And according to Mills, Howell tells him a terrifying tale of his alter ego, the sick ripper who would pick up women in what he called his murder mobile. That's oh, what he called it. Loser. Stupid. You and can't then, give yourself a freaking murder name, okay? He called it the murder mobile. And then he would bury them in the woods behind the mall. So when cops got word of this confession from Mills, they returned to the site and they unearthed four more bodies. And this was in 2015 oh. that they unearthed four more bodies. So this would bring the body count to seven, six women and one man. Oh, yes. So I was going to say your math was wrong in the beginning, <laughs> but you got me. There was a Marilyn Gonzalez who was 26 years old, a Melanie Ruth Camillini, Camillini, Camillini. Oh, sounds Melanie pretty Camillini. though. She was 29 years old. Both of these were mothers oh. of two children. And then this is where they found, this is when they didn't find Nilsa's remains till 2015. Yeah. That's crazy. And they also found a Danny Lee Wisnut. 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 Okay. He was 44 and he was transgender. Oh. Yeah. So Howell thought, she, thought he was a woman. Okay. Apparently. Um. There was six out of the seven. So six out of seven of these victims, DNA was actually in his van. Yeah. Well, it was the murder mobile. So what else would you expect? In 2017, Howell ends up being sentenced to six consecutive life sentences. So is it just because we live in the Northwest that we didn't hear about this? Because... I mean, I heard a lot about the Golden State Killer after he was arrested. I know, and I feel like a lot of this should be like worldwide news. Yeah. But I don't know. Weird. Just like the toolbox killers. Yeah. Yeah. I they just know. like pick and choose. I, don't I know. think they do. It's weird. I want to know about all of them, okay? <laughs> they need to be on every headline. He finally decided that he didn't even want to go to trial because... He knew he was guilty and they found all the DNA. And he told his cellmate. <laughs> and he told Stupid his cellmate. Fucking idiot. You 
so he just decided he wanted to plead guilty and he admits to the savage murders that took place in his murder mobile. He states that he raped and strangled three of his victims in the corner of a McDonald's parking lot located in the New Britain area of Connecticut. He would duct tape their mouths so no one could hear them scream. He admits that he would park in semi-remote locations, but they were also very public locations. I was going to say McDonald's is not remote. The corner of the McDonald's parking lot was at least 50 feet away. Jeez. From the public. Yeah. He states that Nielsen needed a ride into Hartford. And he grabbed her and he raped her throughout the night and into the next day. And then he killed her and threw her down a hill. So his first victim's more disturbing. Um, With his first victim, he's like, I don't know. Like he just, like he didn't want to do it and wanted to just cover it up. I don't know. Um, It's ill-prepared, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. He states that he grabbed her by the throat and raised a hammer to her, saying all he wanted from her was sex. Was she also a prostitute? Yes, I believe so. He said, if you don't give it to me, well, he said, if you don't give me any trouble, you won't get hurt. But then he ends up hitting her with the hammer and strangling her to death. Oh my gosh. And so at this time, when he's committing this murder and doing this, he's he's sleeping in his van, right? He's not living anywhere. He's sleeping in his van. So he keeps her body next to him for, I believe, two weeks uh, after she's dead. Ew. Yeah. According to his cellmate, Mills, he said it was too cold outside to bury her. And he nicknamed her corpse Baby. He's got to stop naming things that aren't <laughs> aren't his to name. And this is how worried he was about getting caught. So with this victim, he cuts off her fingertips and he tries to remove her lower jaw. And he, he succeeds. He was trying to hide her identity. Yeah, <laughs> your face. <laughs> yeah. He ended up disposing of her fingertips and her lower jaw in a trash can outside of the family dollar store on New Britain Avenue. I threw a Ouija board away once outside of a Baskin Robbins. (laughs) That's probably a good place for it. (laughs) Try fingertips. Did you? I did. Are you having a bad night? Me and Michaela made one. Shame on you, Michaela. We'll we'll cover that one time in our paranormal experiences, our personal one. Mom said never play with Ouija boards, Haley. She just just said don't play with it. She didn't say don't make one. Oh, yeah. There's always a loophole. With the victim, Marilyn Gonzalez, uh, he actually says that after raping her throughout the night, he got her fast food breakfast and then told her this would be her last meal before he strangled her to death and threw her off the side of the cliff too or the side of the mountain or the what the hill i thought that it was behind a store yeah i know there's like this hill so oh okay he would pull this creepy okay vans right 
he'd pull this creepy blue van up to the side of the guardrail uh-huh. and it was behind the wall and there'd be a little bit, there was a little bit of land and then it went down a hill and it was really deep. And then it went back into the wooded area. Your last two crime cases have been really creepily similar. I don't know how I'm dealing with this, dude. It's really hard. Because, <laughs> that, yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. These are gross people. Maybe he knew about the toolbox killers and we did not. No. Because they sound Okay. So this guy, the, I don't know. This guy's really entertaining, honestly. I guess entertaining is not the right word. But <sighs> if you listen to some of his interviews, he's like... I'm a normal person. I don't know. Maybe we could play one for you guys. Something yeah. that he says. Um, we'll insert something right here. Yeah, we'll do that. Everybody wants to know why, 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 why. And the, the truth is, I don't know why, you know what I mean? I was raised by a good family in a good home. I was never abused. I was never molested. I didn't kill animals when I was a little kid or anything like that. So I just don't fit the mold at, at all that everybody tries to put serial killers in. You know what I mean? So why I grew up to commit these crimes, I have no idea. Other than the only thing I can say is for my own selfish reasons. He would go through the McDonald's drive through with half-naked tied-up women in the back. And he would, if they made a sound, it would be their last. So none of them ever did. It was their last anyway. This guy nicknamed his van the Murder Mobile. He dubbed himself the Sick Ripper. He even was said to have called where he dumped these women his garden. He called it his garden. Okay. Seriously, he needs to stop naming things. This guy is crazy. But in interviews, he <clears throat> he honestly says this, right? So after all that, he says... I'm not this heinous serial killer everyone labels me as. Okay. Tell that to the seven people you brutally murdered. Within six months. He does state that he started having fantasies about raping women when he moved to Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And I, he just carried out on them is really what he did. So do you know if there was victims of just rape and not ones that were murdered? No. So he, well, he says, this is what he says. He says, it was never my plan to kill these women, but I had to cover up my crime. Because, By a bigger crime. <laughs> yeah. Smart. It's like, I raped them. I victimized them or whatever, you know? Yeah. But it, I had to kill them because they would have told on me and I didn't want to go back to prison. He was in prison previously? Or I didn't want to go back to, I didn't want to go to jail. Oh, okay. He said he made the choice to do it and nothing drove him to do it. And when he was doing it, he didn't care. He really didn't care. After the first victim, he said, after trying to remove her jaw and after cutting off her fingertips, he said it was just too much work. So if he were to get caught, it would be moot. I don't know if that's a word. Mm -hmm. And so then he just continued doing it. Yeah. Um. He actually states that he did rape every victim except for Danny. Okay. Because he found out that Danny was a man. Mm -hmm. And so investigators and reporters ask him, well, why did you kill him then? Yeah. He says, because I found out he was a man. He lied to me. And I killed him right off the bat. He had to go. 
I pu- I started by punching him in the head, and then I strangled him. Was Danny also into sex work? Yes. So okay. he was actually going to get a twenty dollar blowjob. Oh. From Danny, in a parking lot, and then he went to continue that and pulled off his wig, and that's when he freaked out. Oh. And he was like, "You." fucker like yeah yeah. and then he killed him he's like he had to die he lied to me he was a man so i mean did he ask (laughs) are you a man man or a woman woman. but he does say he says all the other ones i killed because i wanted to cover up my crime yeah it just ended up being that way like i knew they were going to tell on me and i had to dispose of them that's pretty much what he says. He thinks he's a nice person, from what I gather. Well, after spending time in credit and hearing from the families and the victims and stuff of the victims, mm-hmm. he actually has become more remorseful, and he cried and apologized to the families of the victims, and he said that he deserves a death penalty. He's like, I don't deserve to live after what I've done. But he was sentenced to 360 years in prison. And there's no hope of him ever being released. Good. Yeah, that's kind of it. I know mine's really short and kind of dumb, but... It's not dumb. There were seven people who lost their lives that weren't supposed to. And I hope I I named each one of them because it's really sad. Yeah. But, um, yeah. He did. He would just duct tape them, rape them. And then he was like, oh, I have to dispose of them. So did he, I mean, he strangled all of them? Yes. Okay. That's how he did it. That takes a lot of work, you know? I know. And, you know, that's why I kind of wanted to play some of his things that he, um, because he does decide to speak out. And a lot of what I heard was him speaking about it. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, Every single time I went to do that, it took so long. And all I could think was, will she die yet? Will she die yet? Is she going to die? Isn't that horrible? Yeah. But it's like, why would you go and do it again? (laughs) I mean, how could you do it again? And then again. Yeah, that's bizarre to me. He's like, his fantasy was never to kill. It was always just a rape. He wanted that control. He wanted to rape and then he was like, ah, I don't want to get in trouble for this. And she's going to tell, so I'm just going to kill her, bury her body. And then he'd have to fulfill his fantasy again. That's terrible. I know. What is that other murder, rape, bind, torture, kill? Oh, BTK? The BTK, yeah. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of him. He's a piece of shit. I mean, they all are, but I don't. I know. They're he belongs in a special place in hell. I think they all do. They all do, but I... Oh, BTK is such a... This guy deserves to be him. in prison. He yeah. Wants, he wants a death penalty. You don't get that. No, I don't... I think he should live mm-hmm. his life in suffering. Yeah, me That's too. That's my opinion. I do too. But I like that you keep doing cases that I have no idea existed. Okay, well, I'm glad you liked it. I wish I could have done more on him, but... It's pretty cut and dry with him. Yeah. Yeah. So That makes sense. Thanks for listening. Next week we'll be in Delaware. 
Oh, snap. We're in the D's. I think the in C's the were bad. We're huh. in the D's. Well, you can find us on Instagram <laughs> at in life and death pod on Twitter at life and death pod, or you can send us a Gmail life and death pod at gmail.com. I hope our audio sounds better. Yes. Oh, did you hear that? <laughs> can you, can you hear me? Can you, can you hear, hear me, me now? now? Move the chair. Oh God. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay. Bye.